0: In this episode, we're going to talk about some of the things you can do if you really want to get into this business. There's been people that have been interested, wanting to know, want a career change, or want to try something new. Some people were younger. I've been asked this before. How to become a gray man? How do I work in the world of intelligence? Do the kind of things that you did. So that's what we'll talk about. How you get in it, how the career fields start, kind of their path that they follow, which is commonly referred to as the career pipeline. And seeing what kinds of choices you can make, how you can work this out for you or help somebody else. That's what we're going to talk about right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight. So you want to be a Gray Man, how do we do that? The most common way I've been asked is actually a terrible idea and it's not going to work out for you. So, if you've got this idea that you can read some books, listen to my podcast, watch some videos, watch some cool movies, and then somehow use that to build up a resume to go get hired somewhere, especially in a civilian agency, that's not very realistic, nor even at many companies that hire from inside the intel or military communities. So, that's probably the most common way people think they can get in here, and that's kind of a, kind of a bad plan. So generally speaking, it's going to be younger people typically that get hired. That's just due to the numbers, people that are college age or in the military. Ideally, if you want to work for an agency or you want to work in the military in this field, you need to be loosely defined in your early 30s. The reason I say that is there are places that have requirements where the cutoff ages are usually, by the time you show up, you can't be more than 35 and a half. That's very common. That's common for intelligence agencies when you want to work to be say a case officer, like the CIA or the DIA, other positions that are doing the type of things that fall into the gray man world, the espionage stuff. If you're going to be an analyst, sometimes there's looser rules, but the age thing typically still applies. Part of the age thing in the military too is, we'll get deeper into this, but there's places where you work in military, especially in what we'll call cooler jobs, where you're doing something like human intelligence or counterintelligence very likely will be in or connected to the soft community as an augmentee or support asset. And there's some other things that we won't get into that are beyond that. But part of those is to understand that you have to be airborne qualified and to attend airborne school. When you show up, you cannot be older than 35 and a half. And there's all the other requirements that you have prior to that. So going the civilian route. One of the things you need is college education is very helpful. With a college education, it's great if it's more unique, but specific to the needs of that agency. So things like fields in economics are very well known. They use those a lot, especially as analysts and can cross over to the case officer world. There are other fields too. One of the things I recommend is you look at actually the FBI's website where they talk about applying to be an agent. You need a master's degree in one of these fields. Most of those fields do assist and will apply. Multiple degrees are even better something specific. There are sciences that can matter, although they can be more finite. There are doctors and psychologists that get hired, psychiatrists, you can go that route. And when you're going these routes and places, especially anything in the medical or scientific fields, you have to consider how long is college? Do I get a master's degree? Do I get a double master's? Do I get my doctorate? What other things are required as far as going and working somewhere, working towards that degree? What reputation, what resume stuff do I need to have to get into that field? Which is why a lot of people, even if they go that route, start out in their early 20s, going to college, doing all these things, getting all the time in on the job, building that resume, and then applying. Other things that are helpful and attractive are having lived abroad, meaning in other countries for any amount of time. Now, granted, that can make security clearances longer and more difficult because of your foreign contacts, where have you lived, Who and what were you contacted with? Do you still contact them? They'll scrub and go through all your online stuff, email, social media profiles. You can delete anything you want. They'll still have access to it. So just know that's there. Knowing foreign languages, especially foreign languages that will matter to them, although any language can help. Knowing multiple languages actually can beef up your resume a little bit if you have a very high degree of proficiency in them. You'd of course have to look into it further but there are things that can disqualify you like working for the peace corps is frowned upon and usually stops people from being into any agency for any job as well as other organizations so those things can hinder you any mental health history with a diagnosis they will find so those are things that have to be considered as well you need to be in relatively good health and very good physical shape Even going straight into an agency, especially if you want to go the route of a case officer and you go to the training at the farm and all the training they go through, there are physical aspects to it. So there will be physical training. So you need to be healthy, in good shape. You know, you need things like good vision, good color vision. Look at a lot of the standard stuff for the military or any job if they give you the information on their websites about what you would need physically. There are physical tests, physical examinations you'll take. You'll take the EKG test for your heart. There will be different types of interviews, lifestyle polygraphs, all kinds of fun stuff. You also want to have clean credit. And if you never did, but you cleaned it up, you need to have good explanations and all that stuff. At a bare minimum, there'll be a 10-year history checked for everything for your background check to get at least a top secret clearance. As far as that goes, there's many types of clearances. There's a basic set of clearances called confidential secret, top secret, and What happens is is if you go work for an agency, they typically have their own clearance process, but you'll actually be folded into that other process as well because you'll work with other agencies or the military. You'll have to have those basic checks plus whatever they do internally. And then in some fields, you may be in a location where you have to have clearances from multiple agencies as well as your parent organization or whatever. So there's times like in the military where I had top secret clearance with SCI, different riders, and all these things they put on your clearance. Plus I had to have an NSA clearance, and then a clearance from another location just because of the job I was doing and the access I may have. Now, all these things still exist for everybody in the military, whether you're in a military or civilian role, They tend to have more time to get them because they're working a job and they're getting the training, whereas as a civilian, you're going in cold. When you're looking at going the route of what we call a case officer or something similar, which is what I call the professional gray man, which not all of them do. Live that way all the time or even ever sometimes Is that you don't need to know a lot of this stuff going in Having motivations, reason why you're there Anything you want to learn on your own beforehand or during is great But at that, what I call that level Because a lot of times I'll say higher levels I say that to make it simple and easy And so that I don't use other terminology I probably shouldn't They provide everything you need It's like comparing it to the soft community Special operations forces A person in the Army that goes to SFAS, Special Forces Assessment Selection, doesn't have to be an infantryman. Now, if they're an infantryman for a few years and they learn land navigation, they've road marched a lot, they understand some general ideas of what they see about how they're communicated to and treated, maybe initially they have a benefit. It really depends on the individual. But a cook who's never done any of that stuff can show up and get through that course because they teach you everything you need to know to succeed. And I imagine many of the other courses outside the Army in that community are very similar or the same. Some of them do require you to know things beforehand, but again, those are what we'd call higher levels. Going the military route, you need to understand you're in the military. That's not the same as a regular job. There are requirements, physical requirements. You have to go through your basic training or boot camp. You have to go to your associated follow-on school or schools for your MOS that you pick. You have to be qualified for those jobs. So in the military, you take the ASFAB. You get this long list of scores. They tell you what you're qualified for. And then you get into that career field. Then you have to go through that training pass, get sent to a unit, start doing that job. And a lot of the jobs you hope to deploy just so you can really do your job. Try to get promoted. And odds are you're not going to get very far if you do a four-year term, even as a human intelligence or counterintelligence guy, and have many career opportunities past that, unless you had some very specific opportunities that are rare, or happen to deploy a couple of times and work with agencies and make connections, which is very limited in most situations. Some of those people do come out with enough qualifications to work at what we call the schoolhouse, the military schoolhouse where they can train. So it just depends on where you're going with that. Now, why the civilian description was limited because I didn't go that route. It was also to understand there's still a lot there. So on the military side, one of the things you got to look at is what branch of the military you want to get into. They all have some sort of intel assets some similarities, some of them are involved with criminal investigation stuff as well as intel, some are separated. What I tell people is if you don't have a certain drive for the branch of the military, and this is the field you want to get into, I always recommend the Marine Corps. The reason why is historically and even now, Marines are more disciplined, they got cooler uniforms. You know, you're always a Marine, and that's great. But it's the only branch of the military where counterintelligence and human intelligence is the same job. All the other branches intermix them in different ways for different reasons. But in that career field, it's the same job. Having worked with them, they're very skilled. They are much better collectors out of the gate, much better writers for the report than the Army, the Air Force, or the Navy guys ever were. They also tend to be more disciplined in their training. And if it doesn't matter to you, that's the way I'd go. Going beyond that, you'd have to look more into the other branches and try to talk to people that have had those jobs or understood them a little bit to understand the career path and the differences from the rest of the military. The other thing too about the military is taking the army, for example, you're still a soldier. You got to do soldier stuff. You got to do PT. You've got a schedule. You do formations. you got to go to the motor pool and sweep it or clean weapons or clean vehicles. You go to the field for training. That's sometimes not part of it's not even related to your job. So if you're a collector going to the field, you might have to help set up tents and latrines and deliver food based on your rank because you don't have the time to do your job. On the civilian side, you don't do those things. You show up to work and you do your job. So there's differences. One nice thing about the military, and this exists in civilian world too, but it's it works a little differently in some cases. But in the military, there's a lot of programs and things that are available to people. There was a program that doesn't exist anymore that... Was a specific way to provide augmenters. Augmenters are people that are sent to assist a unit that needs more manpower, but not permanent party, meaning people that are always working there for different reasons. So, in the world of Joint Task Force, in the special operations community, they have a lot of augmenters from all over the military, different ranks, different job titles, a lot of intel guys. And some of them get to go there just for short term, say four to six months to get some experience and some training, especially lower ranks. They probably would never get or almost never get gives them their foot in the door. gives them some opportunities to see other things that they won't have available in the conventional military. Be part of other bigger operations, get more responsibilities in some locations, sometimes some missions. Get to deploy to countries they typically never would in the conventional army or not for many years, depending on what we're doing there. Sometimes getting to work with white soft units or tier one units on occasion, or at least their commands or their intel support guys. So augmenters have always existed, but we had a special program in the Intel School in Arizona where they picked uh, lieutenants who just finished their basic course and enlisted guys who just finished their training, primarily analysts, human intelligence, but also geospatial and some other stuff. Depending on when their clearance came through and what they were prepared for, they would be here for usually a few short months, go through some training, learn how to think and do their job, talk to people that have returned from doing the same job, figure out better ways to be analysts, how to be better collectors, how does that community think, how does it work? They also get profiled to determine what unit or position is better for them. And then they would go down and get to Fort Bragg, And get to have this wonderful assignment, which could be in the United States or it could be abroad. While that still happens, that specific program doesn't exist currently, although it may well again. That's a unique opportunity you could get. So if you joined the Army and you did intel training, you'd very well end up in Arizona. Entirely possible that that program is created again by then. And that's one way you get back in. There's other programs that people aren't aware of until they get farther on that usually you need more rank for typically you have to be a staff sergeant in most cases not all sometimes a sergeant meaning e5 is a sergeant e6 is a staff sergeant you're talking three to five years from when you get in the military depending on what rank you start out at what jobs you've had how well you've been a soldier what your unit's allowed to promote what units you're in all kinds of things factor in there some opportunities include working with law enforcement federal agencies Usually in the United States, sometimes deployed. There's opportunities to work at places like the White House, the Pentagon. There's opportunities to work at the NSA. A lot of people who work in signals intelligence. Get jobs at the NSA right out of the gate. And get a lot of connections there. There's other programs like the one I mentioned for augmentees. There's programs where you go and work and get trained by agencies in specific career fields where you stay in the military, but you are trained to function like certain roles in certain agencies. Things like human intelligence collection, being a gray man, targeting, analysis. There are people that work in the national capital region to get hired by the same or equivalent to what we call a tier one or tier u- two unit or a support joint task force forum that work in what's called the capital region, which is all around Virginia and DC and other places like that, where they get to work on more national level interests, supporting units that do higher profile missions that sometimes are on the news a lot of times they're not what I can't tell you is regardless of what you think you want to do you'll never really know till the time comes there'll be a long list of requirements and it really depends on what you're doing like I mentioned in a previous podcast which I'm going to get more into this in another episode but I kept mentioning about interviews and interviews and interviews could go on for weeks and i kept saying interviews because at the time i was trying to avoid certain phrases and terms that might highlight things people could look for that probably weren't a good idea what they really are is assessments so it depends on what you're doing so let's say you join special forces as an example or a community like that and you apply to go and you go to their assessment selection process there's a lot of physical aspects land nav physical training running road marches obstacle courses Getting smoked, basically forced to do exercises, just like they do at ranger school and all these other schools. Then there's other jobs where their assessment process could be a few weeks or a couple weeks where you're going in to work a different job, maybe an intel job like, say, targeting. That part of your application process is different. You might be required to write three different essays of a few thousand words or a few thousand characters. You might be required to have phone interviews and oral boards or oral interviews during the course of course, they'll check all of your stuff. They'll give you essay choices on what to write. You'll have to do bios in the interview. You'll have to give examples of your work. They'll give you mission sets that are typically notional that you'll have to work through in whatever amount of time. They'll give you different stressful situations. So the difference is they give you things that apply to your work field and your career field, your job, what you're going to do. So it may not be that somebody wants to be a Green Beret and needs to sit down and write three essays of 5,000 words, because that's not really that important to the assessment process. They need to do obstacle courses and land navigation and all this other stuff they do in selection. A targeter probably doesn't need to go road march, run an obstacle course, and do land navigation, but they're going to do a lot of analytical work, a lot of research, and a lot of report writing. That's why their selection processes are different. The thing is, it takes a while to get to these points, no matter what you're doing. So my suggestion, the best things you can do is try to find people that have worked in any career field that you would possibly want to work in. This could apply to anything, but especially for this. Try to talk to them. Find out timelines on things like how long does training last? What was this like for you? You know, They're not going to tell you things about cool missions or names and stuff that's classified that they did, but you can find about, well, what's the life like? How did it affect your family? You know, What's the separation like? What were deployments like? How long were they for you? You'll find out that different branches have different deployment links depending on what they're doing. So there's all these types of differences. You know What's the career path like? So for example, one of the things you can do in the Army, especially in the intel field, is become a warrant officer, which you can look up what a warrant officer is. You can specialize in the same field like an enlisted soldier does without being broad-scoped commissioned officer. And then you find out each warrant officer has a different requirement and there may be advantages to it. So, for example, if you're in human intelligence or any field, you want to be a human intelligence warrant officer. You only need to be a sergeant to do it with not much time in the military due to what the needs are. And they send you the training that you need anyway. It's just better off if you're already a human guy. It makes it easier. But another thing you can do, let's say you're a human intelligence guy, but you want to expand your career field. Well, it could be easier, in a lot of cases is, to go apply to be a warrant officer in counterintelligence if they still allow that for somebody who's not already CI, because sometimes that changes. Then trying to completely change your MOS to counterintelligence, which requires you to be a sergeant anyway and has its own interview process. It's not a full, long assessment, but there are requirements. You can't just go get it like most jobs. So it depends on, do you want a second MOS? Do you want to be a warrant officer? Do you want to expand your career field? It's no different than any other career, even if you were just going to go straight into an agency where you're working in this department, that department. You're working at the Middle East desk, the Venezuela desk. You know, are you deployed here? You deployed there. There's other training, other opportunities, ways to kind of expand your portfolio to make yourself more well-rounded, more marketable, maybe to get promoted, get an advancement, get that job you want. And then there's all the other factors that play in budget, travel, time, openings. Are there openings? What requirements do you need to fulfill? So both sides have that. Something else is to consider is as cool as some of this stuff sounds, which a lot of people in the business say, yeah, it sounds cool. Why are they so short? A lot of these places are short, really short people. They don't get a lot of applicants. The biggest reason people don't get in these career fields is they don't apply. Tons of people talk about it, want to do it, especially early on in their careers. But when it comes down to it, they won't go through the process or prepare themselves. They'll be at the point where they could apply, see the requirements and realize I didn't work on this for the first three years of my career and I don't want to rush into it now. But then they wait and they don't prepare themselves. And then a lot of people that don't make it just aren't prepared. Some of them have different amounts of failure rates and you can talk to anybody. You can find anybody in the soft community. What's the average failure rate? In your assessment program, how many people actually quit? Anybody in the intel field, in your assessment program, what's the percentage of success and failure? How many people fail or pass? All of them know this kind of stuff, have general ideas of things that are passed through the community and says, this is the failure rate. The best thing you can do is always research and always prepare. People I tell in the military, so what's the best thing I can do in the military? I tell them, constantly prepare for a 20-year career while constantly preparing to get out tomorrow. You get a bad enough injury, you could be sent home in a matter of months and be medically separated. You may choose to re-enlist. You may not. You may choose to do 20 years. You may not. You may get to the 10-year mark and say, I've had enough. You may get to the 10-year mark and say, hell, I'm halfway. You really don't know that first time around. There's plenty of people only do one time and get out after, say, three to five years, usually around four. But there's plenty that don't. The other thing, too, going back to the beginning, it's actually in your interest to figure out which path you want to go, what you're prepared for, and what you're willing to do, and then try to get that job, especially if you're going the military route. Wait till you get through the training. Talk to people that are currently there, currently instructors, currently doing the job. I have more current, relevant information about things than I do. They'll know more of the update changes these programs and when they become available. You'll also have gone through at least some initial training, have a better idea of where your strengths and weaknesses are and what additional training you can get on your own. So a lot of human intelligence collectors I've trained for the Army and DOD interrogators, one of the things they've learned that's very useful that are used downrange that they do not teach at all in the schoolhouse is anything related to body language. And even the detecting deception course they had, which could have been better, doesn't exist anymore. So they would learn that from me. That was my whole purpose. And they often wondered, why isn't that in the schoolhouse? And I would have to go through this long explanation of how that training works. It just can't flip on a dime. You also have to accept and learn things like restraint. So let's say you become some sort of body language expert or definitely more than the average bear and you go to one of these training courses and they're not teaching that material. Probably tells you a lot of these people there don't know that type of material information and it's not going to do you much good in most situations to try to bring that up as an argument. Say you're running a mock interrogation on why this guy is being deceptive. You're going to need other information and you have to be sure you've performed all your tasks proficiently that you're required to in that iteration. And if you don't do that and say, well, I think this guy's full of it because he displayed upper left recall or he does this or he does this or he did this with his foot and this is how he used his word structures, that's not part of the evaluation process. They don't understand that anyway. And then in the military, they tend to get pretty assed up about it and how they respond. So you have to understand those things. You have to figure out how do I take this knowledge and translate it in the way that matches the training in order to get the most out of it? Because you're not there to train people, you're there to be trained. But the general guidelines are this, if you want to get into any career field like this, and it's the same advice I give people who just want to join the military and have a simple job, start getting into shape now. You want to be in shape and you want to constantly work on being in better shape. That's number one. Number two, develop habits because you're going to have to be forced to learn them in the military anyway. And in some of these other jobs have normal, regular, everyday habits that you're used to that are simple, like. Especially if you're young. Do you know how to do your own laundry? There are still people today go to boot camp or basic training, have that issue. They're not sure how to do laundry. How often do you take the trash out? Do you ignore your mom and not take it out? Because you're going to have to take it out multiple times a day in training. And then when you have your own place every morning, because everything will be inspected. Another thing is cleaning up or keeping clean your entire financial history on your credit report. And researching any mistakes that you have on there to make sure you have accurate up-to-date information of why so you can explain it. Because that may not matter when you join, as long as you don't have some horrible, ridiculous credit score. may matter when it comes to a clearance. definitely will come up in some of these unique opportunities if they come to you. So there are a few people that try to work in the White House as uniformed military. Very, very difficult position to get. Credit report really plays into that because it's the White House. So one of the guys I know who's an ideal candidate even had a warrant officer back him up who had just come from an assignment as a counterintelligence guy at the White House could not help him because he had one time, one late payment on a credit card that was like four or five days late. And even talking to the company years later and what he was trying to do, they wouldn't make any changes for him. Now, technically, they were right in doing that, but that stopped him from getting that role. That doesn't mean it's going to stop you from getting other cool opportunities. It's just credit report and bills are a huge thing because when it comes to espionage, people get paid. A lot of these people, if you look up just our own traders and our own history, did it for money, a lot of money. And Sometimes it wasn't a lot of money, but it was to them. So that's a huge red flag when it comes to security. You should always be pursuing education, career field specific, general to the idea of the job or other things, if it's, say, in the military, pursuing your higher education when you can, depending on your job, you may not always be able to do that. Maybe you're just trying to advance your degree. There's a lot of ways you can do it. I knew a guy that medically retired after 17 years, and when he came in, they were going to kick him out because he didn't have a GED or diploma. And then he fought to get a diploma if he had his choice because he didn't want a GED, he wanted an actual diploma. When he left the Army 17 years later, he was like four credits shy of his doctorate in chemistry, which he now has, and he's very high-paid. as an independent contractor working for major corporations around the country. He did not have easy career fields. He started out in the infantry where we spent a lot of time training. He was a senior staff sergeant going to be a senior NCO when he got into the chemical side. And when he was in the chemical branch, he had a lot of leadership positions, a lot of responsibilities, a lot of training exercises, got to work with other agencies. Had tons of things he was doing, and this whole time he had a family with several kids because he came in when he was 23, he already had two kids. He ended up with four or five by the time he got out. Yet, he was still able to do all this stuff on his own, spend time with his family, have good evaluations, and not shirk off on his duties. Now, it requires a lot of time and dedication to do this, but it can be done. So, for most people, wherever you're at right now, it's not impossible. It may be challenging at times, but you can work it out and make it work out to your advantage. Lastly, I'll point out that criminal history does play a role in this. Sometimes, there's places you can't get in because you had any type of criminal history whatsoever. Some things don't impact you as much. There are criminal things that stop you from getting in the military. You can find that out from any recruiter. If a recruiter says, like, let's say you're in college and you're like, you know what, I think I'm going to go apply to be an agency. I want to be an analyst. Okay, great. Go to a military recruiter and find out if you have a criminal history, would it stop you from getting in the military? If it would stop you from getting in the military, it's definitely going to stop you working for an intel agency. So know that right up front. What's in your criminal record? Do understand there's things that can be sealed that can't be found. That's fine. But when it comes to an intel agency, they're going to find it. So just know that. Don't do anything stupid. Definitely clean up as much as you can and find that out right away if you have a criminal history. What's even going to make it to where you can't play ball? So that's your general overview of what you can do if you want to get into this world and get paid for it. Definitely do the research. Definitely talk to recruiters, military or otherwise. Definitely find out what college degrees will help you, starting out with the FBI's website. Look at these other intel websites. Talk to people that have had these jobs. Ask those important questions, not about how cool the job is, but what it's like on your life. How often do you train? What are your hours like? Things like this. What are the living conditions like? How often do you move? These are the real important questions that will affect your life, especially if you have or plan on having a family or want to just have regular contact with your own family. Those can be impeded by these types of career fields. Do you understand that doing anything would be cool guy stuff, no matter what it is, takes a few years to work up to the point where you're even eligible and have the experience to apply. That buys you time to get prepared. Always work on more education. Always be trying to get in better shape. Always try to do or definitely do the right thing. Get good evaluations Get experience. Get multiple jobs. Treat it like a job, especially in the military. How do I advance? That's what you're looking for. So hopefully this helps you. Don't forget to check the show notes. Like and share on whatever platform you're on. Send me your questions as this was an answer to several people' questions, even a couple recently. We look forward to giving you another show here soon, right here on Grayman, Hiding in Plain Sight.